the 37th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to episode 184 of Pixelated Paranormal, and we have got a good one for you. But before we get started on that story, let's talk about Wichita, Kansas news. Apparently, people were seeing a UFO over Wichita, Kansas. And I did not see it, but my wife sent me a tweet from Cake News, local Cake News, says, UFO... Question mark. Some Wichita residents are reporting seeing a strange flying object over the city. This video was taken near Maple and McLean. Did you see it? And it's from a podcast called Stonked, S-T-O-N-K-E-D podcast. I believe it's like a day trading podcast or like, you know, a, a, a stock trading podcast. But it says here, did at Bet Money Mike just see a UFO? And I don't know how to send this to you guys if you don't have Twitter. Do you guys have Twitter? Nope, I don't no, quit. No, you can just send us the link on the Oh, I'll do that. I'll do that. Discord, and then you can hit the it's tube. a short video. The video is of the guy just kind of driving around Wichita, and then he's got his camera phone out. Or kind of a, a uh, amateur video, but it yeah. shows a weird yep. silver, <laughs> silver, silver craft, kind of a disc-shaped object flying through the sky. It disappears behind the trees a little bit, but then there are a few clear-cut shots of this weird mm-hmm. craft Really booking it, too. It's about 50 seconds. It's got to give a little time before it gets into it. Did you see it? Oh, yeah. What is that? What time was this? Does it say the time? This was 2.28 when the podcast posted it. Then Cake News, I don't know when they posted it. So it would have had, a, it would have, had to have been earlier in the day. Yeah, about eight hours ago. So earlier, Yeah, probably around 2 o'clock. The day after I seen you... Uh, I went drive towards um, down like Pawnee area going going um, east. Yeah. And when I was there, I saw a plane flying a biplane with a with a banner. And I couldn't make out what it was, but the way he was flying, I don't think anybody could recognize what it was because it was like angled. That da- it was like angled weird. So then you couldn't uh, read what it was. And the, uh-huh. it was such a sunny day at that point that the sun was reflecting off of that. And it looked like a big white yeah. thing. So I'm like, that's what it reminded me of. Like, it could have been. Was that kind of near the uh, the new baseball stadium? Um, no, this no, this is more south, south like Mount Vernon and Palm Okay. Because Maple and McLean is right down by the new yeah. baseball stadium, right off the river, down by the boathouse. Yeah. But I know there was a plane with... The banner flying. So, but I mean, this video doesn't really look like that, but, and then. <laughs> this says in related news, a small plane pulling a banner advertising $1 roast beef sandwiches at oh Arby's was seen in the exact same yes. time by thousands of people. See? Honey, it was an Arby's banner. <laughs> Mystery solved. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. It was a plane. Holy shit. I did not read the article. I have no access to the article. No, we're going to keep it in. (laughs) It was an airplane. It was an airplane with an Arby's $1 roast beef sandwich banner behind it. We just put our internet sleuth hats on and actually solved (laughs) the mystery. 
Wow. That's right. We went full on Scully on this story, folks. The truth is out there, and we busted. And that never happens. I mean, like, two out of three of us are really molders, and we all went Scully. Like, I'm really disappointed that yep. it was a fucking Arby's banner. <laughs> That's funny. Shayla called us the Hardy Boys. <laughs> Listen, guys, I want to believe, but I also want a roast beef sandwich. The babysitter club. Yeah. The baby, no shit. (laughs) Well, so much for the news. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. Anything else noteworthy, guys, or newsworthy? The bar is real low, so get it in now. Right. Just been doing my new job and um, getting the body adjusted to it, getting... Just my whole mindset used to it and stuff. Saturday from uh, yeah. was my first day by myself in the van, so that'll be interesting. But I'm confident it'll go good. Yeah, well, uh, and you won't really be by yourself the whole day. You'll have yeah for like the harder calls. And some stuff, people yeah. in the back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit! It's uh, uh, the crib kicker left. It was a uh, mom's <laughs> birthday today, so happy birthday, mom! Oh. oh shoot, it was. Yeah, nice. Well, dude, happy birthday! Your mom shares the same exact birthday slash anniversary of the Loveland Frogman sightings in Ohio. Oh, yeah! Happy birthday, Colleen, and happy anniversary, Loveland Frogman. How sighting. how how yeah. young is Colleen? Was she celebrating a special birthday? Like, one um, the, like, yeah, hold the on. Fives or she, she, <laughs> it's one that Preston uh, doesn't remember, but it, uh, since she doesn't listen to this podcast, I can tell a lady's age and not get in trouble. <laughs> I don't know. Is it the same with moms, though? She turned 71. Yeah. So cool. See, this is a special age. Yeah. Hell yeah, 71. man. Happy birthday. It's a lot of years. 71. Man. It's awesome. Think of all that history, everything she's lived through. So fucking cool. Oh, yeah. Well, Preston and I found out that our moms used to live in the same town, but I think Colleen has just a couple years on my mom, but not by much, I don't think. Mm -hmm. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, they just kind of barely missed each other. Small world. Right. They're both cool Well, tonight's episode... Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure, man, for sure. Well, tonight's episode is kind of a follow-up to 183, where we talked about the night nurses and the UFO encounter. This is kind of one of our favorite topics we're going to discuss tonight on Pixelated Paranormal, and that's the subject of Missing 411, the unexplainable disappearances of people all across the world. And it's kind of an unfortunate yet interesting topic that mixes both the real world and the subject of the unexplainable. It's a favorite topic of not just ours, but many other podcasts across the ether. It's also the best hashtag to put to get people to like your posts. Holy cow, <laughs> man. Yeah, I almost feel bad about that. That was crazy. Yeah, it was like, <clears throat> I mean, we were pretty open about the like, hey, this isn't, we have no, <laughs> you know, we have no relation to this guy <laughs> or any of his family. We're just giving him some, you know, some condolences and. Like, yeah, um, man. That was, that was um, kind of strange, but it's like at the same time, it's like, man, you're raising awareness. You're giving, you're giving props where due. You're, you're paying your yeah, respects. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, and we really we need to pay respects as well. Um, we didn't really do it on an episode until now. Uh, David Politis, you know the the gentleman behind the Missing Four One One books and docu series and YouTube channel. Unfortunately, his son Ben lost his battle with mental illness. Um, he was the director of Missing Four One One. He was a four year starter of the Miami O hockey team, and unfortunately, Ben uh, did lose his life 
back in the beginning of February. Well, we we put an Instagram post. It says, we've been huge fans of the Missing 411 for years now. Our hearts go out to Missing 411's David Politis and his family. We just read the news that his son Ben passed away on Sunday. Rest in peace, Ben. All I did is hashtag Missing 411. Because stuff like that, I don't feel like you should throw all your hashtags on there Mm -hmm. about, you know, I didn't hashtag pixelated paranormal, nothing. Just a simple hashtag missing 411. And this thing got darn near 200 likes on Instagram. And it wasn't anything weird. None of us thought, oh, let's put it on there. The power of the whole community. Yeah, exactly, man. And... It was it was kind of a mix of different responses because some of them, of course, were calling out, you know, the politices and all that. Other people just saying, oh, my God, so sorry for your loss. And we're like, this is not about us. Like, <laughs> yeah. and maybe that's people's common response, just putting out the response. Like, I that. didn't read all the comments. Were people actually on there calling out the politics? Yeah, there was uh, almost 40 responses. And it's it's just kind of crazy, man. Like the Internet. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. And it's just, I don't want anyone to think we put that on there for the likes or the responses or any of that stuff, man. Uh, What do you do? But yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it's heartbreaking. And also, I mean, let's keep on trucking down the normalization of mental illness. Talk about it, get help, make it a normal thing. Check in on your friends. Don't be afraid to admit that you may personally have a mental illness. I think maybe all of us do to a degree, Mm -hmm. Uh, some worse than others, but uh, that's a normal thing, man. Everybody. And the stigmata, man. Normalize that shit. The stigmata, you mean the The uh, stigma? stigma. (laughs) I'm fucking tired, y'all. I mean, mean, like in three days, uh, I pull, I mean, like, you d- it goes 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 and and since it's an yeah. on call schedule like I have got no sleep I'm so tired I'm over here getting stigma mm-hmm. and stigmata <laughs> <laughs> that's cool yeah yeah if you got stigmata dude I think we may need to worry even more yeah. <laughs> we need to normalize stigmata folks if you're bleeding from your palms get help hey didn't I so, do that one time on an episode we were talking about like the stigma and I accidentally said Sigmata, and you're like, you fucking idiot. Probably. You always bust my balls. So but you also thought that Mongolian I feel like, things. So. Right. When you <laughs> confused Mongolians with Mongoloids, it may have been the single most greatest flub on this podcast. Oh, and I know. I was going to bring this up the other day on the show, and I didn't. I, I'm not the only person in the world to 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 do that. I was watching a documentary. (laughs) Um, No, I was watching a documentary on Hulu or on Amazon, and it was talking about ancient history or something, and about like uh, uh, you know, like the flow of people like moving in from like um, how we how we evolved around uh, through our uh, mitochondriac DNA, and it was talking Mm -hmm. about like the different groups of people, and it said like mongoloids originally from Mongolia. And I'm like, see, somebody else who's a fucking scientist did the exact same fucking thing that I did. But I didn't bust their balls. A scientist. I didn't I really bust their wished, balls. I wish that documentary had like a bibliography and like it said that specific fact from episode 137, Pixelated Paranormal. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that was pretty great, man. But you know what? That's what we do. 
It keeps it light and folks, it keeps us honest when we bust each other's chops. Yeah. <laughs> and by God, it just feels good. Now, another one of our absolute favorite topics outside of Missing 411 is the subject of UFOs and the phenomenon of alien abduction. So tonight's story should be extra special, folks, because it's an amalgamation of both of these topics. So on this episode, we share with you the story of the disappearance of Granger Taylor. But first... on Pixelated Paranormal. Just a few hours before midnight, on New Year's Eve 1969, several Vancouver natives witnessed a large fireball fly across the midnight sky, a strange aerial phenomenon like the which they had never seen before. During the following morning, near 5 a.m., Doreen Kindle, along with three other resident night nurses, would compose a nocturnal quartet of caregivers who would witness a Saturn-shaped UFO, along with two humanoid occupants, fall from the early morning sky to hover just outside the window of the Cowichan District Hospital. This extraordinary encounter would not be the last, as other sightings would pepper across Canada, leaving the Vancouver Island natives to wonder, had aliens really just visited Canada? Would this be the last time they would come visit? And if they returned, would they leave empty-handed? So our story begins tonight on the evening of Saturday, November 29th, 1980, on Vancouver Island in Canada. That night, a violent storm tore through the area, producing hurricane-level gale force winds, which would knock out the electricity, forcing the news outlets to urge residents to seek shelter. During this wicked outburst from Mother Nature, a large but shy, six-foot, three-inch-tall mountain of a man, known to his friends as Gentle Ben, sat by himself at a local diner called Bob's Grill, and after calmly polishing off what would unknowingly be his final meal, the gentle giant of a man known as Granger Taylor got up, calmly paid for his tab, and left the diner. It was 6.30, the storm was raging on through Vancouver Island, and this would be the last time anybody saw Granger Taylor. Granger was born on October 7, 1948, and hailed from Duncan, Vancouver Island, a town known for its logging and fishing. This is located in British Columbia, and he lived with his mother and his stepfather on their wooded Lakeland property until the day he vanished. Now, Granger was known by his friends and family and fellow townspeople as a genius-level mechanic with a passion for both deconstructing and reconstructing all sorts of machines, as well as repairing most any mechanical device. He's a gym bob. He was a Jim Bob, the local Jim Bob, in fact. <laughs> One of Taylor's oldest friends, Bob Nielsen, even went on to say, I guess you could call him a eccentric genius. But ironically, being a mechanical wizard that he was, Granger was also an eighth grade dropout. Now, shortly after dropping out of school, he landed his first job as a mechanic's assistant for one of his neighbors. But after just one year of apprenticeship, once he was formally trained as a welder and a mechanic, he set off on his own and had a very successful job, self-employed, 
as a heavy machinery mechanic and repairman, and did so until the day he vanished off the face of the earth. So this guy was self-employed for over 15 years. American dream, man. The Canadian dream. Oh, shit. Listen Scratch to it. <laughs> now let's go over some of the stuff this guy accomplished. At 14 years old, he built a single-cylinder automobile, which was then instantly put on exhibit at the Duncan Forest Museum. When he was 17 years old, he managed to single-handedly rebuild a bulldozer that countless other mechanics, much older and much more experienced than he, had all given up on. He's a fucking alien. <laughs> Maybe. Plot twist. Then in 1969, in his early 20s, Granger personally plowed a trail through over half a mile of dense and overgrown grass, using dynamite to blow out stubborn tree trunks, and thus retrieve and haul out an abandoned locomotive that had been there since the Great Depression. This locomotive had been scavenged for parts during World War II, after that had been abandoned, and had since had trees grown through all of its parts. That's cool. Isn't that rad? Yeah. Granger managed to restore the locomotive to its former glory in less than two years. And then in 1973, the province of British Columbia purchased the steam engine and sent it out on tour with the museum train before putting it on display at the British Columbian Forest Discovery Center. And then after having success with this project, he'd go on to explore more of Cowichan Valley and recover several other tractors, trailers, bulldozers, train parts, dilapidated cars, steam engines, all that he'd repair and then set out on his parents' front property to which the locals began calling the Sleepy Hollow Museum. His thirst for knowledge continued to grow, and then he began to research and focus on airplanes and other flying machines, and he even got his own pilot's license and then bought a vintage Kitty Hawk warplane, which he restored to its glory, and then displayed outside a store on the island highway until it sold to a restorer of vintage aircraft from Manitoba in 1981 for $20,000. And by now, the 8th grade dropout had grown to be 6 foot 3 inches, 240 pounds, all still a gentle giant. With a mechanical intellect that matched his physical size, and now fully understanding the ins and outs of nearly every gas-powered engine and man-made engine, Granger began to focus his sights a little higher and began to develop a fascination with UFOs. He understood nearly every aspect of terrestrial vehicles and aircrafts, but developed a fascination with the countless reports in the area of these supposed disc-shaped spacecrafts and how they were able to make these physic-defying maneuvers. So in the late 70s, in order to better understand these extraterrestrial spaceships, Taylor did what any of us would do. He'd spend the next year and a half building, manufacturing, and welding his very own life-sized UFO replica back in the marshes of his family's property, using spare parts and random machinery that either he found in his forest recovery expeditions or that he himself crafted on his own. And then there's a picture of this. It kind of looks like a UFO slash fire pit. Looks cool. It's pretty rad, dude. I would, I would love to have that kind of clubhouse. Now let's describe how Taylor had set up his sweet UFO clubhouse. 
1985 book, In Advance of the Landing, Folk Concepts of Outer Space, by author Douglas Curran, he described Granger's UFO as this. He built a spaceship out of two satellite receiving dishes and outfitted it with a television, a couch, a wood-burning stove. He became obsessed with finding out how flying saucers were powered, spending hours sitting in the ship, thinking, and often sleeping there. And also in March 18, 1985, an article was published in an edition of The Times Colonist titled, Is Vanished Sun Adrift in Space? by journalist Derek Sedinius, who described the then decrepit state of the once cherished haven. The silver spaceship sits on metal pillars under the trees at Jim and Grace Taylor's farm near Duncan. Its aluminum plate ramp doors ajar and broken. The Taylors suspect from children playing, but inside, the large old sofa, pot-bellied stove, and plywood sleeping ledge are much the way their son, Granger, left them. Taylor's new flying saucer, home away from home, had everything he needed to be cozy and comfy, and thus became not only his new domicile, but also his lab for research and development where he'd spend much of his time researching every fact and theory he, that he could get his hands on about just how these alien crafts could propel themselves and even perform interstellar travel. By means of collecting research books about UFO phenomenon and then any eyewitness account that he could get a hold of. And he amassed quite the collection of UFO literature, and in the years after their son's disappearance, the Taylors still possessed a box overflowing with Taylor's books on the subject of UFOs and unknown energy sources, such as, such as Frank Edwards' Flying Saucers Here and Now, From Outer Space, Black Holes, and also What We Really Know About Flying Saucers. Now, like in most stories of people who possess genius-level intellect, once Granger began to bury himself in the study of UFOs and extraterrestrials, becoming more and more withdrawn from his family and friends, he began to obsess over the topic and would talk about very little else. Even in the rare instance he would go out with friends, he'd quickly change any topic of conversation to the topic of aliens and UFOs, and seldom showed interest in anything else. Eventually, he'd go on to spend bouts of self-isolation when he'd spend days on end locked inside his self-made saucer. But here's where things start to get kind of weird. Let's get weird. Taylor had, <laughs> Taylor had confided in his friend Nielsen that during one of his periods of self-imposed isolation aboard his self-made saucer, he was lying on his makeshift cot when he claims that he received a telepathic message from an extraterrestrial entity who claimed to be from the Milky Way. And as we've heard many times in the past, receiving supposed telepathic messages from ETs is fairly common from alien abductees. Later, after Granger's disappearance, Nelson would tell reporters about what his old friend had disclosed to him just a month before he disappeared. He said it happened when he was in bed. He lay there and got mental communications with somebody from another galaxy. He couldn't see him. I said, can't they just be mental? But he said it was like they were talking to him and to his mind. He was asking questions about the means of powering their crafts. The only thing that they would tell him was it was magnetic. 
And then, a few days after, he told Nielsen about the extraordinary message from the stars. Taylor informed Nielsen that he received a second telepathic message while he was in a saucer, and this time the alien being invited him to take a trip through the solar system. Taylor told Nielsen that he would, however, not be informed until the end of the month exactly when he'd be picked up for this interstellar journey, but he was informed it would consist of a 42-month-long journey, and they would extract Granger on the eve of a great storm, using the weather as a distraction not to be noticed. From then on, Taylor would be seen around town with a new pep in his step, doing very little to hide from his friends his excitement about this upcoming journey through space and how excited he would be to have the chance to learn about supposed alien flight technology. And as good friends do, Taylor's friends humored him and just assumed he was having a mild mental break, or at least an odd reaction to a strange dream that he was just confusing with reality. But that was also par for the course with Granger Taylor. And then a week later, just as good friends do, Granger's buddies all humored him again, with a bunch of them taking Taylor out for what they called a ruckus night. Kind of like a going-away party. Nielsen later told reporters, Look, everyone thought this trip was just a dream, but nobody entirely discounted Granger's stories. He was such an unusual sort of guy. On Friday... (laughs) On Friday, November 28th, The night before what was considered to be his last night on Earth, Taylor went to his parents' house and found his stepfather Jim alone, tidying up his bedroom, while Taylor's mother, Grace, was in Hawaii on a vacation. So Taylor, for no apparent reason, went in to express his affection and gratitude for all the man had done for him over the past years being a father to him, and for treating him like he was one of his own flesh and blood. Jim, while he was very appreciative of his stepson's kind words, just kind of shook off the unexpected heart-to-heart, again, like the rest of Granger's friends, just chalking it up to the way Granger had an eccentric nature. But this would be his last conversation that he would ever have with his stepson. The next night, Saturday, November 29, 1980, at around 6 p.m., Taylor entered Bob's Grill for dinner. His appearance would raise no suspicion, as he had been a regular at the curbside diner for several years. The last person to come forward and admit to seeing Taylor was a woman who was working at the grill's kitchen by the name of Linda Barron. Linda would go on to tell authorities the only thing that struck her as being odd about Granger that night was that she remembered him not being dressed properly for the oncoming storm, something that caught her off guard, seeing as though he was always so practical up until that point. She said he wore a brown knitted sweater zipped up front, a black t-shirt, a pair of blue jeans, and his logger boots, but she noticed he didn't have his winter coat. After paying for his meal, he climbed into his 1972 pale blue Datsun pickup and then was never heard from again. A few days later, Granger's stepdad Jim would go on to find 
his stepson's winter coat stuffed inside the doghouse that Granger had built for his huge Newfoundland dog named Lady. <laughs> Linda then testified that Taylor paid his bill and then left the restaurant just as the storm was starting to really tear in to Duncan and the neighboring cities. That night, the violent storm and its hurricane-like winds would rip down power lines throughout Duncan and the surrounding areas, causing massive blackouts and rolling power outages to the entire region. And with the dark storm clouds that came along, this would leave the entire area in a pitch-black fog. The next morning... On Sunday, November 30th, as the citizens of Duncan were picking up the debris and wreckage caused by the storm, the news that Granger Taylor had vanished into thin air quickly began to spread throughout the town. Meanwhile, back at his home, Jim Taylor discovered a strange note hanging on their bedroom door, which read, Dear Mother and Father, I have gone away to walk aboard an alien ship as reoccurring dreams assured a 42-month interstellar voyage to explore the vast universe and then return. I am leaving behind all my possessions to you, as I will no longer acquire the use of any. Please use the instructions in my will as a guide to help. Love, Granger. On the opposite side of the hand-sprawled letter was a contour map of Waterloo Mountain, which was located some 20 miles west of the Taylor's property. What relation the map or the mountain may have had or not have had with Taylor's disappearance is just one of the many enigmas associated with this bizarre case. Along with a strange note, Granger also left his parents with two separate wills, each detailing instructions that they were to receive $10,000, as well as how his parents should distribute his possessions. But bizarrely, in both the wills, the word deceased was scratched out and replaced by the word departed. Understandably concerned about his boy's situation, and more likely his mental state, Jim Taylor contacted the Royal Canadian Mounted Police in order to help find his son. Now, the RCMP responded immediately, but after that, Corporal Mike Dumchick Described an exhaustive check of hostile... <laughs> I think it's Dimchuck. Yeah, probably. The RCMP responded immediately, but after what Corporal Mike Dimchuk described as an exhaustive check of hospitals, passport, employment, and vehicle records, not a single clue came to be as to where Granger Taylor's whereabouts could be discovered. According to Corporal Dimchuk, Granger's name has been put on the National Police computer system, and the motor vehicle branch in Victoria has been alerted in case of Granger's driver's license, which expires this October, is renewed. After Taylor had gone, after Taylor had gone missing for more than four years, Dimchek admitted that what had perplexed him the most regarding this mystifying case was the fact that the 1972 Dotson pickup that Granger had ostensibly used during his travels to his engagement was still missing. One would expect the car at least to be found. You just don't get rid of something that large without someone knowing about it. And knowing that his truck could hold the key to his disappearance, the Taylors 
throughout the 1980s would occasionally take out newspaper ads offering a $100 reward for anybody finding their son's missing vehicle. Though they never received any responses, the truck's registration would go on to expire in 1981, convincing many of the Royal many of the RCMP investigators that it was likely the truck was no longer on the road. Now, according to Time Life's books from 1992, Mysteries of the Unknown Alien Encounters, it's funny that came up because we just had a couple posts about that, the remnants of Taylor's truck, which were described inaccurately as being pink in the book, were found on an unnamed mountain sometime later in 1986. Now, listen to this. Six years later, the truck was found near Duncan when a logger on Mount Sickler, or Sicker, spotted a crater in the ground surrounded by several pieces of metal debris that were embedded in a tree. It's believed that Granger was carrying explosives in his truck at the time of his disappearance, apparently blowing the truck to bits, causing a massive explosion. But amongst the debris, Taylor's body was never found. Many believe on the night of November 29, 1980, Granger had packed his Datsun full of dynamite, which he used for removing tree stumps. He drove into the wilderness and either deliberately or accidentally blowing himself up and his vehicle into smithereens. Whoa. Yeah, right? The Wikipedia entry on Mount Sicker also lists the incident of Taylor disappearing at least in part corroborating with some of the Time Life magazine book's assertion. It says Mount Sicker may contain the answer to a local UFO mystery. In late November 1980, Granger Taylor, an unconventional genius and UFO fanatic, left his family a note saying he was going to travel to an alien ship for a 42-month interstellar voyage, and he and his pickup truck were never seen again. Now what really happened to Granger Taylor has never been unearthed. Some say he was a man suffering from audio hallucinations and delusions of grandeur, all from undiagnosed mental illness. And when he stepped into his own makeshift spacecraft, he began to slip away even further from reality. Some people believe he simply wanted a fresh start and concocted this bizarre story to fake his own death and disappear. But to me, I mean, someone could really use ten grand if they're going to disappear, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Neither his friends, family, nor law enforcement officials have ever made any mention of any drug or alcohol abuse that they've ever known of. So many simply believe he destroyed his truck and slipped into the forest that stormy black night, fully expecting alien tour guides to arrive, but instead he may have succumbed to the brutal elements while waiting in vain for his celestial lights to shine down upon him and take him away. There's lots of remote areas in Vancouver Island, and Granger's bones may just be one errant hiker away from being exposed. But of course, the other possibility is he simply got taken somewhere far off in the galaxy by his extraterrestrial mental companions. After all, there still lies a strange fact that he left his coat behind, knowing full well about the oncoming inclement weather that was coming for him that evening. For several years following their son's disappearance, the Taylors would leave their mm-mm, that's typo. Son's bedroom door. Fuck me. 
For several years later, following their son's disappearance, the Taylors left their son's bedroom untouched, leaving the plaques and trophies that he had accrued over many years on the walls and on the cupboard. They went on to leave their back door unlocked for well over the four and a half years after his expected return, but sadly to this day, Granger Taylor has never come back. So the unexplained mystery of the strange disappearance of Granger Taylor to this day still remain just that, an unexplained mystery. So we'll finish tonight's episode off with the words of Granger's stepfather, Jim Taylor. I can hardly believe Granger's off in some spaceship, but if there's a flying object out there, he's the one to find it. Now, what's weird about this disappearance, guys, is it kind of fits a lot of the shoehorns of the missing 411 phenomenon, right? You've got inclement weather involving water and just a complete disappearance off the face of the earth. Um, oftentimes, people are disappeared in these missing 411 cases who have extreme heightened levels of genius or mental illness or mental disabilities. So it's really bizarre that this checks off a lot of those boxes. That's true. What do you guys think? I'm gonna I'm gonna throw throw a Scully moment out. Look, <laughs> okay. I'm no scientist, but let me let me run this hypotenuse <laughs> past you. <laughs> Hypothesis? Hypotenuse. There you go. God, I love you. I'm high on pot news. <laughs> <laughs> so he has this fucking Datsun pickup truck just loaded to the brim with dynamite, right? Mm-hmm. He forgets about it because he's so fucking excited about meeting these fucking aliens that he's like, out into the, you know, the, the forest. He parks his car and he's waiting like, dude, where are these motherfuckers at? The weather rolls in. Fucking, do you say there was lightning? Mm-hmm. Lightning hits strikes the car right okay Mm -hmm. there's so much fucking dynamite in that fucking truck that uh it create a fucking crater in the ground like that video game that we played one time and i blew a crater in the ground that's that's (laughs) what i'm imagining the size of this crater Uh and it created uh such a hole like you're never gonna find that dude's bones dude he's been incinerated he blew himself the fuck up in a lightning storm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't, and I don't, I, I don't. Maybe not even the lightning, just him, him driving his vehicle, and weather rolls in. He's trying to drive around. You hit, mm-hmm. you hit, you hit a tree. You tip your car, unstable dynamite. You're done. Like, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I don't believe it. I don't believe he's like the aliens. I think the dude was just like very intelligent, and then he 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 achieved so many things, and then his next thing he wanted to achieve was to figure out how to build a spaceship and couldn't figure it out. <laughs> and then I don't know, man, could be, could be mental illness. Could be just, I don't know. I don't know. But abduction. I don't think so. If, if we didn't have this big crater in the ground, then it'd be a little uh-huh. bit more, a little strange, but this big crater. But then So you don't was... think that maybe, you don't think maybe he got out of the truck, got beamed up aboard and then he's like, Oh yeah, let's get rid of my truck. And they're like, <laughs> Dunzo. Fire laser and that, or I mean, if the lightning thing, I mean, it could be like the War of the Worlds. Oh, lightning, yeah. lightning being the catalyst. 
Yeah, maybe, yeah. dude. Shit like that, yeah. Fuck yeah. Well, there you have it, folks. A strange case of the disappearance of Granger Taylor. That was a cool story, though. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed it. I hope everybody else did, too. Um, I wish there was more to the story, but literally I read about four or five different websites on it. I read two or three magazine articles, and everything pretty much corroborates the same exact story. Uh, the only thing that doesn't really lend to any more info is Reddit. On Reddit, people go on to say that, oh, there's articles out there saying the truck exploded and they found tons of bone shrapnel and Granger's torn up t-shirt. But I couldn't find that information anywhere other than Reddit. So who knows? Reddit. Yeah, <laughs> calm down, Reddit detectives out there. Yeah. You're, you're not a fucking scientist. <laughs> Uh, all right, Steve, got anything you want to plug, buddy? Not much. You can check us out on Facebook, Pixelated Paranormal Podcast. Check us out on Instagram, PXL Paranormal. Go on there. Uh, share the posts if you can. It really does help us out. Get on iTunes. You want to give us an honest review, that'd be great. Um, yeah, the reviews help out a lot. Every single review, like people go through iTunes and scroll, and they look for podcasts, and when you see the number next to the stars it does it does make a difference as silly as that sounds but yeah no certainly does even if you don't have itunes appreciate that it's really easy to make a review it's really they make it really simple so if you can that'd be tight yeah shoot i mean hell if you got a review you want to send us you could even type something up and shoot it over to the email we would we'd sure love to hear that um yeah we'd even share it on the show like this one here this is from our buddy a, I'll just say it's our buddy A from Florida. By the way, your show is outstanding and top-notch. I'm the truck driver that works in Florida. I binge listen to your shows a lot because most other shows do not have the dynamic like your group does. Have a great evening with your 30-degree weather while I chill out with my 80-degree weather here. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right, well, hey, man, we appreciate that cool, a lot. Man. We're glad you're still listening Glad we can accompany you on these long roads. Yeah, stay um, safe on the hell, roads, man. Yeah, man. Steven, you're a long haul driver too, and to a degree. Yeah, yeah. Like, I uh, mean, I shouldn't say long haul, but you're a. On the road <laughs> you got some long rides ahead of you. Yeah, a lot of miles. Yeah. but the. Yeah, dude. The roads are dangerous, and truckers have it really hard. So I commend you for what you're doing, dude. You're keeping you're keeping uh, economy going. Really, I mean, <laughs> keep you keep the world moving, dude. Yeah. Truck drivers are dope. They don't get enough credit. Yeah, for sure. We got quite a few uh, truck drivers mm -hmm. listening to the show, so let's just give a shout-out to all of them. Hope you guys are all enjoying yourselves, having a safe trip. Maybe it's time to pull over, stretch your legs a little bit, get some more coffee. Or just honk the air horn call? right now, all of you. Shoot, yeah, yeah. give us purr, purr, purr. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Do the DJ sound. Uh, what, what person? <laughs> yeah, give us your best semi-truck hype horn. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, while you guys are at it, why don't you listen to the other shows on the Pixelated Sausage Network. Check out Mark Solo's show, A Pixelated Sausage. Check out On Amazingly Baca. And then if you haven't yet, go back and listen to all the episodes of 13 Nightmares. I swear to everything holy. And maybe some things that are unholy. I will get that next episode edited. It's just... The world's on fire right now, and I don't have time. But otherwise, Presto, what do you got, buddy? As always, if you need a beard, if you want a beard, if you want to grow the best damn beard that you can grow that could never get mistaken 
like the whole Arby's banner and the UFO, check out <laughs> BigDobsBeardBomb.com and use promo code PXLPARA for 20% off your order. And pick yourself up some scents like Dundee, Cedar, Bay, Rum, Sweet, Tobacco, Fresh, Citrus, Mint, and Classic. Hell yeah. Hey, and before we cut out, I want to give a huge, huge shout out to our buddy Isaac uh, we made a Facebook post about Isaac. I just want to go ahead and uh, just mention him again. Isaac is uh, – we're not religious, but Isaac is doing the Lord's work right now, man. He is actually over in Africa right now. He's setting up these clean drinking water stations so right now. It's it's just – it's fucking amazing, man. Like Isaac is one of my best buddies. Um, we hit it off back when – shoot, way back when when I worked at Pizza Hut with his brother – uh, then we became even better buddies in college when we would take turns sleeping through music appreciation and the other person would take notes and the next class we'd switch and the other person would sleep and the other one would take notes and together we uh, we passed that class with an A. But man, it's it's truly, truly insane what he's doing right now. Um, he's in Tanzania. Hell, I think he's way past Tanzania now. But um, yeah, he's installing these um, portable... Uh, water filtration devices to deliver clean drinking water to villages and to people who otherwise have not had that luxury. Something that we, I mean, our toilet water, uh, hell, maybe even after it's been used, is maybe more safe to drink than some of the water that, you know, some of these people in villages are drinking. So, yeah, it's nuts. Um, Isaac, it's insane. Uh, From the bottom of our hearts and uh, anybody else, man, just hats off to you. Keep doing what you're doing. And we really, uh, we look up to you, man. It's inspiring for sure. And thanks for passing out the CDRs of our episodes over there, dude. Appreciate it. (laughs) Hell yeah. CDRs. So, Isaac, if you're you're listening, I want you to to do me a favor and I want you to stay safe. I I have a really good friend um, that did some missionary work over in Africa uh, like 10 years ago. And um, he was trying to tell us like a serious story, but being funny at the same time. And he was out, you know, kind of in the middle of the, I don't know, kind of like bordering between like the desert and the jungle. So he's really bumfuck Egypt out in the middle of nowhere, right? And uh, bumfucked Africa. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, 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 one of the chaplains there or whatever is like, dude, when you get up in the middle of the night, if you got to go to the bathroom, you know, you, you got to take like a flashlight with you. You got to take like some supplies, like, cause you never know. So like, you know, make sure you got a pistol, make sure you have like, you know, your, your, your lantern. And so my buddy was like, I'm not a pistol guy and I'm, I'm just going to go take a piss. So he goes over to the <laughs> latrine and he's taking a, a piss and this fucking warthog like the size of a small cow breaks through and he was just like yeah he's just like holy (laughs) shit this is why the guy told me to take a pistol to the cracker because i'm about to get it so isaac buddy if you're pissing at midnight if you know you're dropping the kids off at the pool at 2 a.m please be careful because i don't know exactly where you're at you could have a lion come in you could have you know a warthog come in so do me, do me the honors and say safe. Yeah, shit. It's like when you go That's to the nuts. when you go to Montana, you gotta carry that bear spray. You're gonna take a piss by a tree. You gotta carry that fucking yeah. bear spray, dude. Yeah, yeah, dude. You know, for real, like when you piss, that's that's intimidating the bear. You're marking your spot. They're gonna flex. Oh, on I didn't you. think like, about what the that. Fuck you yeah. doing, dude. <laughs> and then you pour dude, out a little. The worst can. thing I have to do. You scared a little can. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. 
the worst thing I have to worry about walking to the bathroom when I got to take a leak in the middle of the night is just tripping over, you know, my cat. So, yeah, hats off to all you guys out there. And Isaac, um, it's time. you know, in honor of you, buddy, I want to share with everyone <laughs> one of your <laughs> I want to share. What are you laughing at? I just I just have a feeling that this is going to be an embarrassing story for Isaac. Oh, I think Isaac will be fine. He uh, he does it not because he wants the glory, but because he can. And so to honor you, Isaac, I will share a series of lyrics from one of your favorite songs from Five Iron Frenzy from the song It Was a Dark and Stormy Night. I've been waiting in half-hearted sleep for a promise I meant to keep, just for hoping that hope still flies, wipe the sleep out of our sleeping eyes. So Isaac, you buddy are proof that hope still flies. So stay safe, and we can't wait to see when you get back. And bless the rains down the night. <laughs> it had to be. Done. I was waiting for the Toto reference, man. Oh yeah, you have to, dude. You have to. You have to. Cool. All right. And if you're in the Wichita area, please Beautiful stop down country. at CD Trade Post, Pawnee and Seneca. Say hi to our dear friend Leslie and the gang down there. Say hi. Tell them we sent you down there. All that good stuff. And otherwise, if there's nothing else, guys, let's. Oh yeah, get your asses over to YouTube and like and subscribe, share, comment, whatever on YouTube because we've yeah. gained. We've gained one extra YouTube subscriber <laughs> since last Have episode. We? Yeah, oh, we're up to yeah. seven. Up to seventy-seven now. So keep Man. that keep that train of rolling, listeners. Hell yeah! Let's get to a hundred before our five-year anniversary in May. No, five hundred. All right. If there's nothing else to, s- ooh, yeah, it's true. Man, you know what? It sucks. I was really hoping two hundred and five-year anniversary would land on the same exact time, and it's barely going to be off-centered. But we'll see if we can't, you know, rope old Rob out of retirement to come join us for one of those two episodes. Fatality. All right. If there's nothing else to say, I would say this. Cheers to the weird shit in the world and to those of us who love to talk about it. And stay spooky and stay on the paranormal highway. Wear your fucking seatbelt. The cast at Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.